Welcome back to another episode of All in the Library. I'm Leslie Nicholson, a middle school librarian. And I'm Debbie Sewell, a high school librarian. So without any further ado, let's get started with our next episode. Today, we are joined by Alda P. Dobbs and her new book, The Other Side of the River. And we are so excited that she could join us today. Thank you for joining us. Oh, no. Thank you, Leslie and Deborah. I'm I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this since, you know, months ago, but um, I'm just so honored to be here in your in your podcast. Well, you know, as we talked a little bit before we began and um, you have you started with Barefoot Dreams of Petra Luna, which got a lot of acclaim. Um, You recently had The Other Side of the River come out and then you were just telling us a little bit, you've got a third one that's in the works, which we're so excited to hear, not in the same vein as as uh, The Other Side of the River. It's not as, you know, part of that that series, but something a little bit different. Are you able to share a little bit about what that might look like? Yes, I, I had uh, mentioned earlier that uh, they, the publisher asked me, you know, if I was gonna do historical fiction or not. And uh, at that point I said, no, you know, it's not historical fiction. I want to do pre-device setting and uh, 80s, 90s. I was thinking to myself, you know, something that I grew up with. And uh, to my surprise, they said, yes, that's historical fiction. So at that moment I said, oh, okay. But then I guess it is historical fiction. So it is historical fiction, but um, it's more 80s, 90s. It's a different character. But the setting's going to be here in Texas, in San Antonio, I'm thinking. Uh, it's still in the works. Just I, I grew up in San Antonio, so I'm biased. I love that city <laughs> and uh, anything that could connect me to it again. But uh, yeah, right now I, I'm, we're in uh, final negotiations and I think we're going to announce the, the title here soon. So if you're interested, I have a quarterly newsletter and I'm pretty sure the next one I'm going to announce the, the title. Oh, and, uh, oh exciting. So- what is the theme or the may of the book? What is the major theme of it going to be? It's a it's a little girl who um, who wants to belong. She's lonely and wants that sense of belonging. And uh, she has very vague memories of her mom when she was about three years old. And she's always wondered what happened to her because nobody in the family talks about her. So she doesn't know if she passed away or what, you know, so she has all these questions, but she's learned not to ask because people won't answer them in her family. So she gathers her friends and and starts this detective work of trying to figure out what what happened to her mom. A little, a little bit of a mystery in there. I like that. That, So you're going across a couple different genres. So that's pretty cool. What age group will you say this is for? It's going to be a middle grade, so 8 to 12. I like that. Uh, I thought your two books were really, they could span through high school. I mean, yeah, we did. Yes, I've had senior citizen homes reach out to me and say, hey, we have a book club (laughs) with Barefoot Dreams of Petra Luna. Can you come and talk to us about them? He gets a lot of these uh, members there in the, the community center, the senior citizen center. Uh, had parents or grandparents that were also in the Mexican Revolution involved. So this brought a lot of memories to them. So they wanted to discuss this, you know, the research behind it and and just to compare notes kind of like with their family stories. And and I'm reading about, you know, a lot about you and and you have some great information on your website that that really helped kind of open up a lot of those uh, questions, you know, that you you got a lot of the Petra Luna from the stories your great grandmother told you, which I just, I just find 
just so amazing. You know, we, a lot of us don't get that opportunity to hear that historic, those historic things that people, our, our relatives went through. So yes. I think that that is just an amazing thing. And to, to be able, you must've been really young in order to, you know, have been talking to her. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, talking to your great grandmother and these stories? Yeah, the first time I, I uh, and actually the only time I, I listened to this story, I was about four or five years old. And it was the time because uh, I was born in Mexico, but came to the mm -hmm. States and uh, couldn't return to Mexico due to lack of documentation and whatnot. But once I got my residence card, we went back and I remember sitting in her lap and listening, my great grandmother's lap and listening to that story. And I kind of, kind of understood it. You know, I, I saw the the emotion behind it, that's something I did gravitate to a lot and remember a lot, her emotion. And uh, the gratitude she had for, toward America just for the help that they'd given her at that age. And she always reiterated that. And that's something I, I recall a lot. And that was the only time I heard the story from her because she passed and after that. But then I heard it a lot from my grandmother and especially my mother and both of their stories, you know, at the end, it was always that gratitude towards the United States for, for giving them refuge during the, the Mexican Revolution. Yeah, I thought that was interesting that they came across, you know, how Petra's family goes, moves on to San Antonio, but that your family went back after the revolution, which I thought was interesting. Yes, that's true. My, my great grandmother was here in a refugee camp at Eagle Pass, Texas, and they were there five weeks. And uh, she said every day they would bring um, a pound of corn, sugar, flour, beans and whole chicken for each family and she said she'd never eaten so well in her entire life and that's another thing she was very grateful about and after five weeks uh, u.s immigration came over and said they were going to shut the the camp that people had the option to return to mexico because the federales were gone it was safer or they could stay in the united states and the government would help them find housing and work well my great-grandmother was nine but she was the oldest sibling and her and her father discussed this life decision, this choice, and they decided to go back to Mexico. They said Mexico was her home. We had to restore her. So when they went back, they said everything was burned to the ground. I oh, mean, goodness. the villages were wiped out. And uh, and kind of, I envision what the photographs we see from Ukraine now, the video, mm. and you wonder how are people ever going to get started again? And that's what they went back to. <clears throat> and they they struggled. They struggled a lot to get started again. But at the end of my research, I found out that when the Mexican Revolution ended, two million Mexicans made the United States their permanent home. And two million people, that's a lot of people. And it changed the, the Southwest of the United States because of that, that wave, that exodus. And I always wondered what my great grandmother's life would have been had she gone on to San Antonio or to the United States and stayed here, you know, how her life would have differed and those of her, her descendants as well. That's, 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 I, I thank you so much for sharing that. I find it interesting. And I, you know, I got, I got a couple of questions when we were talking about um, your book and bringing you in to help us with uh, Battle of the Books during, you know, like I, I asked, I said, I really want to bring um, Alda to our Battle of the Books because it's a great book. She's here locally in Houston. And uh, I said, well, I was, the question came, well, you know, there, we, there might be people with concerns about immigration. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this is written in the 1800s. It was 19, like 10 or something like that. Yeah. I, I just like, I don't, 
I guess because because they're coming from Mexico into the United States, flags went up, yes. and I thought you have to read this. You have to read the story and understand this. That there's no political, you know, agenda here behind this book. It's a, a just a story of hope and and survival, and and that to me is is was just beautiful. I, I mean, I've, I've heard about this book for the last two years. Mm -hmm. And then to, to have the other one come out, the other side of the river was just, no, just amazing. No, no thank what, you. What Petra goes through is mm -hmm. incredible. And if your grandmother went through all of those things just to get to safety, I mean, it was truly, truly a moving tale. Yes, and, and you're right, Leslie. It's just a story, you know, that I'm I'm kind of the messenger. I'm just telling <laughs> the story that my ancestors went through. And what I tell people is that this story is not unique to my family or Mexicans. It's a universal story. It transcends cultures and times. And on the second book, The Other Side of the River, that's why I bring in Sister Nora, who's Petra's mentor, and she's an Irish nun who's older, and her backstory is having escaped the famine in Ireland. <laughs> and just to draw those parallels between Petra and her, because a lot of children had to, to leave Ireland during that time, and to let her know that, you know, again, this, even though the struggle is to reach this country, once you reach this country, the struggle continues. And it continued for a lot of immigrants that came to the United States. And it's something that, you know, continues. But if you look at it, you know, we're all connected by that. And this country is just founded by by fighters and survivors and people who are willing to put in, put forth that that um, hard work and enthusiasm and have that hope that, you know, there's a better life here. Absolutely. And, and you know, talking about the, the new book that you have and and uh, San Antonio, and you were raised in, you grew up in San Antonio, which I love San Antonio. I, I, it's, it is one of my favorite places to go. My mom lives up there, and so I love being able to go up there. But um, you're in Houston now. Yes. So in your research, did you get to go? Are you going back up there? Are you going to go retrace some steps? Oh, I, I did. I mean, I grew up in San Antonio, and my mom, my sister, still live there. So any excuse for me to go back to San Antonio, I'm there in a heartbeat. I know where all the good eateries are at, <laughs> all the good taco houses. You know? So yeah, I always have my list. Of oh, well, share those with us when you have a chance later. <laughs> Put them in your book. I yeah. love it when, you know, the right. characters, they go to, you know, places like when you were, so were you in San Antonio when you were in high school? Yes, uh -huh. yes I and, yeah. from uh, Breckenridge High School. Yeah, that was my honor yeah. there. So go Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, I, I, the good thing, the great, wonderful thing about San Antonio is that a lot of the historical buildings are still standing. And uh, that's why I love that I, I could take a run down downtown, you know, down the streets and realize, you know, oh, that's a building I mentioned in the book, or, or I could mention that, that building in the book. And the way I did my, my research, a lot of it that helped is that I had these maps called Sanborn maps that are insurance maps that were created, you know, during those period, that period of time that labels each building, you know, what there were the materials consisted of that building and wow. the use of that building. So I would cross-reference those buildings with old photographs as well as newspaper articles. So I could tell where refugees would go to seek help or where refugees mm. would go to seek employment. 
And I would, you know, get that address, look it up on the Sanborn map, look at a photograph that's related. And before you knew it, I, I kind of memorized San Antonio the way it looked back in 1913. Uh, I actually recognize it more in 1913 than I do now because it's changing so fast. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was lucky to to have San Antonio so close by that I could run over there and, and do some research right away. Well, you know, you we're, we're lucky that you started this writing. But as I, you know, read a little bit more about you and um, you have had a myriad of jobs <laughs> before you wrote. So my, I have a question for you as what, and, and like you were a waitress, you worked with concrete, you, you worked um, as an electrician, I guess, kind of doing some things. And so my question is, what was the last straw where you said, I'm done, I'm done, I'm gonna write full time, I'm done. I think the last row is a good point, but because uh, I've always had stories inside me, but I lacked the confidence in English because English was my second language. So I always had that love-hate relationship with English and struggled with English. So, but stories lived inside me. And uh, so, yes, I had many, many jobs. And I, I, since numbers came easier to me, I studied physics and engineering, went into that profession, but my husband knew I had stories inside me and it wasn't until we moved to Italy because he was military and we got stationed in Italy and of course everything in Italy is just very inspiring every corner you turn you know it's just a story to be told and uh that's when he told me you know just sit down and write you have all these stories just do it and uh so yeah 12 years ago that's when I started writing when once I was there I love that that's, yeah, so that's your inspiration for writing is your husband Yes, he's the one that pushed me, uh, the one that uh, said, you could do this, you know, give it a shot. And I, I remember writing a first piece and taking time and whatnot, and, and I gave it to him. And mind you, my husband's a, a colonel in the army, you know, he's been there 30 years and he doesn't sugarcoat anything. <laughs> I know whatever feedback I get, it's going to be the honest feedback. And, uh, and he read that first piece and I remember him saying, you have something here. There, there's something here. You, you definitely need to pursue this. And um, so I said, okay, you know, and I, I went for it. That's fantastic. High praise from a colonel. I know. I'm here. <laughs> I was married to a captain in the navy, so you know. <laughs> oh, it is, yeah. No, and, and definitely when something doesn't work, he'll tell me. He'll say, yes, this go back. <laughs> you know, this not not working well. You you could do better than this. You know, so I I like that feedback. Well, do you think you have any like? writing buddies like I know that we have um a couple of people out here and they they're part of the uh SWIBC I can't remember the next SCPWI uh -huh. yes and yeah. I, you know they they get to meet other people that are authors and help each other do you have a, a buddy that you you know would send stuff to or write kind of bounce ideas off of I, I didn't really have one because uh, we started in Italy and uh, we moved being a military family. We moved every two years. So just when I was getting established with a group, we were moving and, or with a partner. Uh, yeah, we had to move. So I did start a little bit here and there, but not enough to fully immerse myself. And a lot of the groups are already uh, they, they're established and mm -hmm. you know, it's hard to you know get new people and whatnot. They have their own routines. So I would try to start my own, you know, and whatnot. So I did start a couple of them, but had to leave like within a month or two, you know, and I hated that, but I kept in touch, you know, so my network grew and what helped me was those conferences, the SCPWI conferences, because they have critiques, professional critiques, 
where you take your work and they critique it and they and, you know at first of course you know you get you know the, the red marks and you get told you know this is not working this is not working over and over but as you put in the work it starts taking shape and those were essential for me you know they they were very critical in bringing me my my story to life that's really interesting i have that is something i've not heard about you know where you can go to to do that with a, with that with that kind of a group i've heard a lot about that group but um that's a new one i, I find that interesting um so when you're doing all this writing do you have a quirk anything odd that you're doing when you're doing your writing oh my goodness uh i would have to say just that i don't have a routine i i wish i had a routine but <laughs> i have two small kids and uh of course when they were uh preschool you know it was during their nap times or you know they weren't sick or you know it was always and then we were moving as well so packing and packing and and my husband travels a lot so it's always juggling that and now that they're in school it's a little more stable but again you know it's during soccer practices that I'll, I'll type something or you know whenever i get five minutes here or there or if i'm washing dishes thinking something i'll have to record my my thought or whatnot in order to because i'll forget you know sometimes so yeah it, it, but i notice that a lot of the best ideas that i get if i'm stuck in the story they come to me during that moments between waking up and you know when you're well yeah when you're still sleeping and waking up that that middle you know that region when you you don't know if they're know what i'm talking about that dream state like mm -hmm. a lot of ideas come to me so I, I tell my husband you know you know just leave me alone you know go go do your stuff and and because i'm working you know it looks like i'm sleeping but i'm actually <laughs> working okay i love that i'm gonna <laughs> use that line too okay <laughs> yes. yeah this is where all the ideas are being generated so just you know just well, quietly you know, several <laughs> authors have said they something came to them in a dream i mean uh so i have a question about authors and our books what are a couple of books maybe that you've read that really inspired you to become an author is there something that you've read or a particular author or well the, one book in particular because like i said i had that love-hate relationship growing up uh in grade school to the point that when i was that age of petra luna at 12 had they told me i would have written a book as a grown-up i was that there's no way you know I don't, i don't read i don't write i don't even speak english well you know so i would have said no but when i was 16 i found a book that somebody had left behind in a bus in a public bus and i was coming back from work going home and i had done all my homework so i picked it up i said okay i have nothing better to do let me pick up this book see what it's about and it was catcher in the rye and oh I remember goodness. opening it and I was blown away. I, I didn't put that book down that whole night. I read it the whole night, you know, and I that morning I before going to getting ready for school, I shut it and I said, this is magic. This who does something like this? You know, I want to do this, you know, because I I was that character, even though we we're so different. Mm -hmm. I was Holden in you know, Caulfield. Yeah. I said, that's me. So I had that idea of becoming a writer and in college, we took entrance exams. I did well in math, English. I did really, really bad. I did horrible to the point that I said, you know what, this is a sign. Somebody's telling me not to become a writer. So I'll put that dream away. So that that book, Catching the Rye, was one that put that seed in me, you know, for stories that maybe one day, you know, even though I suppressed it for, for a moment, you know, I had that. And then 
once I started doing research for, for books and just reading uh, children's books that I learned a lot from were uh, authors like Lois Lowry, Number of the Stars, yes. um, Avi, Avi's uh, book Crispin. Oh, yes. I loved that one. Yes, I think that's almost like Petra Luna's life. You know, if you think about it, it's a good know, point. Their, their beginnings, you know, it's just a different time period, a different, yeah. you know, region of the world, but their stories are so similar. And yeah, I gravitated to that book a lot because it did remind me of, you know, just the way my great grandmother grew up. It was very similar. So are you, do you ever have time to read just on your own? Like, can you tell us the last book you may have read? Like, what do you read? Oh my goodness. Yeah, I, I try to read a lot of the different things, but uh, you know, as a writer, it's hard because I'm always, my mind's always, you know, in the background thinking, oh yeah, this is great. Oh, I could use this, or this is a great technique. Let me go back and reread this, you know? So I can never really read for pleasure, you know, as much <laughs> as I try, you know? But, uh, but I guess one of the latest book I read, because I do have an idea for a YA, but it was the uh what i saw and how i lied yeah oh okay that was oh my god what's the author's name i can duncan is it duncan i think so yeah i feel terrible not not uh remembering but i love that book oh my goodness i that was probably the latest one i've read and uh yeah it was phenomenal i just somebody had recommended me i couldn't believe you know i hadn't come across it because i think it won the uh National Book Award 10 years ago. And uh, oh, yeah. wow. I, that may not be the, the right author. We'll have to look it up. Yeah. I will look it up right now because yeah. I know I've read that. Yeah. And what I saw and was, yes, <laughs> and, and how I like. Okay. And it's got the girl on the cover. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I remember. And, and you know, what's interesting is this is, um, it's got some of, it's a coming of age kind of a story. It's actually Judy Blundell is the okay. author. Yes, Blundell. Yeah, that's right. Blundell. Yes, you're right. Yeah. And she, it's a historical fiction, of course, you know, I guess it is my favorite. <laughs> oh, well, Number of the Stars is too, so. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, because they always ask me if I have a favorite and I always say, no, I like them all, but I've noticed I gravitate to, to historical fiction. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a great one. Um, well, we do not want to keep you any longer. We um, are just so excited that you could find time to, to even sit and talk about this with us. We, um, you should have, you know, I'll let you know as soon as this episode comes out. Um, and we definitely want to know where would we be able to kind of follow? You said you have a quarterly um, newsletter. Yes, a quarterly newsletter. If you go to my website, it's mm -hmm. uh, all the p dops mm -hmm. no periods just the whole uh, one word all the p dops.com okay there's the subscription button there where you can subscribe for that quarterly newsletter and i give behind the scenes writing tips book recommendations and i'll be soon announcing my um my new book my my third book fantastic and uh, we're waiting with bated breath yeah <laughs> oh, thank you and uh, i'm also on instagram I am not as active as I'd like, but I what I do like posting is old pictures, old historical photographs. Ooh, very cool. And how they relate to my family story and the book. So if you want to follow those, you know, you can kind of get a sense of what the book is about because I have a lot of old photographs there. And uh, yeah, in my website, you'll find different things if you read the book and you want to find out if something's fact or fiction. There's a, a document there that that'll tell you that'll go over it and other resources as well. It did have great resources. It's a great website. Um, yeah. So I did I did like it. 
Um, Well, thank you so much for joining us today and make sure to go check out Alda P. Dobbs, her website, keep up with that newsletter so we can find out the newest one, but feel free to check out Barefoot Dreams of Petra Luna on the other side of the river, her second novel. And thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much. No, thank you, Leslie and Deborah. It's an honor again. Thank you. And there's the bell. We have our lightning round right around the ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Let's get ready to show some books that we've got going on. So, uh, Debbie, you can take the lead with this. Okay. I will get my handy dandy timer up here and uh, give you 60 seconds on the clock. The rule is you have 60 seconds to name as many books, book talk as many as you can. Okay. All here right. I go. Are you ready? I'm going to try to beat my record of four. Okay. <laughs> here we go. All right, here we go. And start. Okay, Rivals by Catherine McLee. This is the third book in her series. Beatrice is queen and is hosting all the royalty from around the world. Um, but who really are the rivals? We didn't find out. It's not who you think. The Final Gambit. The third in the inheritance game. Uh, to inherit the billions, Avery Kylie Grams has to survive a few more weeks living in the Hawthorne house. There's another puzzle and there's some powerful players. So, The Prince, it's a spy girl number one by Julian Dodd. Combine the selection and the Hunger Games and you'll discover a heart pounding thrill ride of espionage, suspense, and glittering high society. Um, Exiles by Ashley Saunders and Leslie Saunders, who are sisters. It's been 12 years and there was this huge earthquake in California in 2040. And it talks about the thrilling mystery and what happens between class differences. It's an explosive coming of age memoir, basically. And finally, I have Thrown in the Sky, Crown City Book One by Angela Kulig. Found this on BookBub, loved it. Done. Oh man. But that's hey. right. Okay. Oh, we got five. I almost did it. Five. Yay me. Okay. That was really good. That, Leslie. I want to know about the one that you said was the selection in Hunger Games. Oh yes. Um, it's the Prince. It's Spy Girl number one. It's by Jillian Dodd, and Huntley Bond is her name. So she, uh, her parents were killed, and so she doesn't know uh, who her parents are. But as soon as they are killed, she's sent to the special school to be trained as a as a spy. Grade so, level? What do you think? Um, I would say definitely high school. Sorry. Oh, I think there's, you could read it, but it's definitely high school. I won't read it, but I like my kids in middle school. They love stuff like that. I know, but, but I yeah, think it has a little more mature themes than like some, but I know mysteries and spies are really popular right now. They are just yes, they are. off the shelves. So. All right. Well, I'm ready to get going. Are you ready? Okay. I've got the buzzer set for 60 seconds. Are you ready? I am. Get set. Go. So I have a good kind of trouble by Lisa Moore Ramey. So Shayla, the main character, loves to follow the rules, but trouble makes her palms itch. And in junior high, there's like all these rules. They're all different. And she's really uncertain about her relationship with her best friends. And she's curious about her older sister's activist involvement in the Black Lives Matter. So when she decides, Shayla decides to wear this like black armband to school, um, everyone starts taking sides and Shayla decides that some rules are worth breaking. Then you have The Downstairs Girl by Stacey Lee. So 17 year old Joe Kwan loses her job 
and she's um, had been making some ladies uncomfortable by giving opinions and being Chinese. She decides to put those opinions to good use and she anonymously submits to an advice column under the pseudonym Miss Sweetie. And she knows that they're struggling so secretly because she lives under the office and um, as the, but now all of a sudden the, the column's starting to soar. So it's, you ding, know, ding, uh, ding, 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 uh, ding, ding, ding. I didn't get anywhere. That was too, terrible. The second one, what's the name of it? It's not really The fun. downstairs girl. Oh. It's, it's a, um, it's high school. High school. It's high school. Yeah. Um, a very, very popular came out, um, in 2021. So last year. Yeah. A historical fiction type of story. So yeah, a good one. Yeah, I would say all of the books I did today were upper, yeah, probably high school for sure. So next time I'll do something more across the across the. No worries, no worries. <laughs> all right, well, that is the end of our episode for today. Don't forget our tagline: put down that phone, pick up a book, and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye.